What's up, everyone? Welcome to an all-new episode of Unbuckled Chinstrap. I'm your host, Paul Rabel. Now, just last year, we launched the PLL. We had our inaugural season, and we built the teams based on a proven set of veterans who had accolades out the door and championships to their name. It was unclear, though, how big of an impact our rookie class would have. Then came along goalie Tim Troutner, who proved that it didn't matter how many years you've played in the pros, if you can play, you can play. Now, as a fourth-round pick... Tim led the Redwoods in the championship game with 116 saves and a 57.1 save percentage. So I'll give you context. When I was at Johns Hopkins, you were considered an All-American goalie if you could save above 55%. That was in college. Tim Troutner takes on a bunch of volume at the pro level with the best shooters in the world and saves at a 57% clip. And that's why he took home Rookie of the Year honors. And now perhaps Timmy's greatest accomplishment, he joins us here on Unbuckled Chinstrap. So let me begin with our first guest was Ryder Garnsey. Then I had Kyle Harrison, more recently Joe Walters, and now we have Tim Troutner. Four fucking Redwoods. What's going on? Roll Woods, that's the way to do it. Uh, no, I'm excited to sit with the rookie of the year, although there is a lot of Redwoods. So it's, it feels off balance. And we had some beef this year. Not you and I, but Atlas and Woods. One and one. I would definitely say, yeah, one and one. But I think a lot of people forget what happened in Colorado. I think I, I even I look past it Tell sometimes. us, Tell us what happened in Colorado. What happened? Uh, I don't even remember. So, um, yeah, you just got to bring the mic a little bit closer. closer. There closer. we go. Is this your first podcast, too? I've only done one over the phone over with the phone. Black Scully Rat. So that's about it. There you go. All right. Well, welcome. And, and talk, us, talk to us about Denver. So uh, week one, actually. Let's talk about that. Um, no, no, we can talk about week one, yeah. but I do want to hear what people forgot about in Denver. Yeah, I do remember Denver a little bit, uh, but week one for me was a really cool experience. Before we do week one, can we talk a little bit more about Denver? <laughs> you guys actually had a good second half close to Gap, which ended up being huge. Huge for the goal differential, yeah, which was crazy, which no one thought about would matter. Yeah. And the next thing you know, we're playing in Albany, and we have to beat Chrome by 10 goals. Yeah, let, let, me, let me quickly explain... The, the structure of, of goal differential. So we knew that in a six-team league that all six teams are playing every weekend. How do we thread the competitive needle more and more? We didn't anticipate nine games going to overtime. So in hindsight, we may not have needed this, but we wanted every minute, every second on field to matter. So we took a page out of the English Premier League, La Liga, call it UEFA, and put a goal differential at the forefront of tiebreaker decisions versus in traditional team sports, you see it as a head-to-head matchup first, and then a goal differential between those two teams who are tied, say, for the fourth and final position in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. We had goal differential as the leading component, but across the board, so your total goal differential, not just against the team that you're potentially tied with in the playoffs. So we'll we'll start there because the Redwoods in in the final regular season game Needed to score seven, needed to beat Chrome and beat them by seven or more. And you guys, I think, beat them by 11, yeah. which put the Atlas out. Yeah, I remember that exactly. It was crazy. Um, I remember your coaching staff sitting at the sideline, and when we won, we uh, were waving them down goodbye because uh, you guys were out, which was pretty uh, fun to do. Why was that fun? You talk, you talk shit. Yeah, no, we, I talked. We I, found that on the research. I, I didn't know that until we were researching because you, know, you haven't talked shit to me, which thank you. 
<laughs> I appreciate that. Yes, yeah. As a goalie, it's hard to talk smack a lot, but because you get scored on a lot. But for me, I think it's an extra drive, especially just kind of gets me going. Just yeah. uh, talk a little smack when a shooter has a bad suck, like I mean, a bad shot. For me, I'm a big. I yell ew when a lot of players shoot the ball because it's usually pretty gross when they shoot the ball. Sometimes, so I think you can get more creative than ew though. Just right? a nice little ew. Like that, that's like Brian Doherty. So you, yeah, Doc would. Doc was the best shit-talking goalie I have ever played against. And I played with him on the 2010 World Team as well. And this was the gamble. He would actually start talking when the player was shooting. And he would yell clear as I would be shooting the ball. Which, you know, would be humiliating if he caught it and cleared it. Because then you'd be like, oh, this guy just yelled clear as I was shooting, caught my shot, and we're in the other direction. Yeah, no, I've definitely done that before in college. Uh, my big thing in college would be I'd catch it and throw the ball back at the shooter. No. And I did you it. You did that in all, college all at practice. high point? Yeah, I did oh, it in, okay, in practice. And then in high you didn't do it in a game, did I you? I did it once in high school in a game. Threw it back at the shooter. Told him to try again. So uh, that was pretty funny and, to me. And your coach was Ben Rubior, who's now the Atlas head coach. Yes. What did Ben say when you decided not to take advantage of a clean save and possession for your team and give it back to the other team for a possession? Uh, we were up by like 10 goals, I think, at the time, so it really didn't matter. And it, it kind of it looked like I was starting to one of our middies, but I kind of hit the kid in the back of the helmet and told him to try again. So Wow. And did a fight break out? No, nothing. He just We ended up picking up the ground ball. So, so you're actually perfect for the Redwoods. I, I wonder if Nat St. Laurent knew that when he drafted you. I don't know. I don't know. I, like, the hardest thing for me was like training camp. So I knew I was going in there in an environment when I was battling for a starting position. Yeah. So right away I started talking smack. Like, you did. Yeah. So funny thing is Kyle Harrison was rattled by it. He had no idea. He was like, who is this rookie talking shit to me right now? I think I remember him saying something to me in between practices. So yeah, sometimes you got to separate yourself. So that was a big thing I thought to separate myself from other goalies and just stand out. Is it a way for you to, to get focused because you're yeah. in a way like placing a wager against yourself? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, it's always awesome talking smack to someone. You're just like, I'm better than you right now. And how do you reset when you get scored on? I always laugh about it because I'm like, you know, I, the position you're supposed to get scored on, I think in goalie it's going to happen and been scored on a million times. So just laugh it off and get the next play. That's the big thing about being a goalie. I like that uh, perspective. So laughing it off in a way because – you know, part of getting beat if you're a defensive midi or, or a close defender, part of getting stripped if you're a dodger is like that's supposed to happen because that there's you know there's two people playing in this mono mono matchup within the larger game. Um, but at what point does do, do the laugh stop? You know, do you know you know, look rookie of the year? Let me just make this clear: rookie of the year averaged at high point twelve saves a game. The PLL twelve saves a game. We'll talk a little bit about the goalie position because you, you are the first goalie now here on Unbuckled in the early part of our scheduling of players. Um, but you know, just like I have terrible games, there are games where you let in a lot more goals ostensibly than saves. So do you, are you able to keep that mindset even when you're letting in a lot of goals to keep laughing around even if you have to get pulled off the field and that's just what's going to happen? Like, how are you processing? I'm, I'm fascinated by the goalie's mental approach. Yeah, so definitely, it definitely sucks when you get scored on a lot. But for me, I just look back at it. I'm like, I'm here for a reason. I know I can make the next save. Like, I look back at it when we played in um, Hamilton. We, I got pulled versus the Whip Snakes. And I was actually happy that the other goalie got to get a chance to go in. So I was his biggest fan because he's been my biggest fan all year long. And our, our thing was, like, I'm cheering for him no matter what. And then I kind of took a break, and I ended up going back in the fourth quarter and gave up zero goals and had, like, six saves, yep. which is a huge thing for the goal differential. Who, who taught you or where did you learn that behavior around getting pulled, at, 
pulled out of the game for a break and then having a chance to exhale versus being a heap around getting pulled, knowing that you might go back in? Yeah, I'll definitely say high school because um, in high school we had – I was actually uncommitted my senior year. We had a committed goal at Villanova and then a freshman going to Penn State. So I was uncommitted starter. So I was used to it. Like I mean, sometimes I'd get pulled for being a team not playing well and then go back in there. So, so they def- had committed and you were still the starter? Yeah, I was uncommitted till my senior year in May. Why was that? I uh, just never had a, an offer anywhere. So I was looking at prep school, community college. And then somehow I found high point after a semifinal game. We played St. Paul's. I had 17 saves, three goals allowed. I get a call from Maryland Loyal, High Point Towson. And for to go to Maryland Loyal, I had to go to prep school or community college. So saved my parents some money. I went right to High Point. Love it. And, and so Ben Rubior, like, what can you say about him knowing that he had probably pressure with two goalies in his stable who had Division One commitments yet starting the uncommitted guy? And it wasn't because, hey, I was holding out because I was playing this patient game. So you didn't have any offers. Yeah, no, definitely. I had no offers. But it was just I played the year before that, too, with him my junior year. And then the freshman was a stud, too. He, um, I was actually out of game. He had 20 saves, nine goals allowed when he started. First game ever as a freshman. So Not for varsity. Oh, varsity, yeah. Wow. So um, that was pretty interesting to see and how I battled back through that and playing and then winning the championship that year. What was Ben Rubio like as a coach? I loved him. He was, he was really hard, always kind of had a sense of humor. But if you weren't doing the right things, he'd get after you. And then I thought it was a huge for me. as always played up as a kid. So, like, in high school, I was playing with, like, older guys. And then when I was there, I'd have him shoot on me. Him being Ben Rubier, mm-hmm. shooting on you is only going to make you better. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you have any high school teammates that uh, have, a, you know, kind of excelled at the next level and beyond that? Guys that you grew up playing with, given that, you know, Annapolis, Maryland is a pretty big hotbed for lacrosse players. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, one of my buddies, Jake Caraway, is at Georgetown right now. Hopefully he'll be here next year. Uh, I'm trying to get him to the Redwoods. So we'll see how that goes. Well, you know, you can't tamper. <laughs> and we have it. Actually, we have it on record. So I'll talk to uh, our SVP of lacrosse. So so when you were you were recruited to the PLL or drafted and then uh, had to make a decision because you were probably like, you know, I've, I've been watching MLL. I know people have played in MLL. This league is new. I don't know the operators of this league. What what led you to the decision to play in the PLL? Yeah, so definitely that was a really tough decision. I mean, I went to the MLL draft, actually, in Charlotte. And I you went, went? I went, and I was two overall. Um, I'm really close with Coach Cottle, so <laughs> Coach Cottle's one I look up to him a lot. He's always helped me a lot throughout life. Um, so I went, saw him there, and then I was drafted there, and I was all about going to the Bayhawks, Coach Cottle, Brendan Kelly, look up to those guys. That's where I grew up, being a fan of them. Yeah. And then – I get a call from Kyle Harrison and just he's talking to me. And when you get a guy like that talking to you, it's just kind of got tunnel vision. He just started telling me all this stuff. And then Coach Nat called me and said, Jack Kelly's out. You have a chance to be a starter. Yeah. So that just kind of got tunnel vision. I was like, all right, I'm into this. And, and what was your first experience like or when, you, when we're down in Bradenton, Florida at IMG? Were there nerves? Um, you know, were you unsure? How, at what point did you stop questioning your decision? Because we all question decisions mm-hmm. when there's two options and we ultimately decide to do one or the other. Yeah, it was definitely a tough decision. I mean, my best friend played in the MLL, so it was kind of that in-between decision. But, I mean, I think once I got there and I saw everyone, how all-in everyone was and everyone wanted it, it was cool just to see all the guys I used to look up to. Like, I never thought I would be there. And, like, as a kid or just looking up at these guys when they played in the MLL. And just, like, for me, the coolest thing I felt was meeting Brett Queener. Like guy yeah. that's like came back. I I used to watch him as a kid, and then I kind of kind of play like him sometimes, getting active like that. So meeting him 
for me with school and he just told me just to keep working hard and grinding so that's really cool to meet him and then scotty which was really cool just following him on instagram and finally get to meet him you follow scott rogers on Instagram. oh yeah so what do, you, what do you love about his instagram so do you want to hear a funny story yes. so uh that's what we're here for Tim. junior summer senior summer i'm at royal farms arena wwe match and you and scotty are there yes and i'm sitting in front seats you guys are one row behind me Oh, so, we're going <laughs> to wait a so, second. So, Are you sure? Because I've never sat in the second row. You're uh, probably sure. I'm yeah, positive. Yeah. 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 I, okay, I, so I, I know go some on. guys. This is, uh, this is his version of shit. Talking. So smack talking. So I, I meet, so, I, so I talked to Scotty. This is like, I'm in college. I'm like, Hey Scotty, big fan of play at high point. He's like, all right, whatever. And just like kind of ignored me. And I always thought about it. Like now that I know him, he it, did. Oh yeah. He didn't, he didn't give me time of the day. So wow. I wonder, uh, I'll tell you why. Because you were a college goaltender and you were sitting in front of us. And that was a direct shot at his and probably my ego as well. I'm still you know, going to have to review the tapes. Oh, yeah, um, I remember. Yeah, it's all about who you know. Come on. And who do you know at the WWE? Uh, one of my um, best friends in college. His um, uncle is the main producer there. Yeah. So front row right behind the announcer. He's got some TV time. Yeah. Not a bad gig. Not a bad gig. Things are getting hot in here right now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you watch WWE? Uh, I'm a fan, yeah. You are a fan? I think it's awesome. Who are your favorite wrestlers growing up? I would say Undertaker Yeah. or John Cena. So, uh, John Cena, Taker, and Cena. Taker's yeah. the best. Yeah, of all time. Yeah. I think I remember just growing up watching him and then like being at a friend's house and just imitating some of the stuff. But for me, just that atmosphere being there was the coolest thing. Like watching on TV school, but being there and just seeing – Everyone be so into it. it was so electric. Yeah, I remember I was, someone threw me a pancake. One of those pancake guys. I started eating a pancake. It was pretty electric. So. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. They they do a lot of crazy stuff. So, what was the electricity level like for you at Championship Weekend when you know place was packed in Philadelphia? There was a lot of energy, a lot of emotion. Just seeing that crowd, just so packed. Don't see an empty seat at all. On that side, and I know, like, I have 20 family friends there cheering for me. I could hear them the whole time, and then just us going down. And I just see all the Redwoods fans still cheering, just one goal at a time. And then just we started making that comeback, how electric it was. Yeah. And just knowing, I was like, all right, I just got to keep making saves, keep making saves, and we'll win this game, which yeah. was a good feeling to have. Do you think you're a momentum style goalie? Like, I'll say, once you start getting hot, it is really difficult to give the ball past you. Um, you know, it's not. I wouldn't use streaky. For me, like, I think the hardest thing as a goalie is the first save. So if you make the first save, your confidence goes sky high. But if you give up the first two goals, zero saves, you start questioning yourself a lot. And you're just like, what, am I going to suck all day today? Or am I going to make a save? And a lot of that can just, it's, it's a mental like, wear and tear on your head. How do you go through as a goalie warm-ups then to try to develop that sense of where the ball's coming out of the stick? I bet it's a lot like a, uh, like a baseball batter. Right, yeah. trying to get a good read early on of where Track the ball is being released out of the hand of the pitcher. So I like to go nice and easy fundamentals, this nice easy step, and then spots, and then I like to go just high and hard as fast as they can go. Just I don't go anywhere just high and hard, so I get used to that speed. Yep. And then just like, my eyes are used to that speed. I don't go anywhere because it just I kind of hate getting scored on before like during warmups. It really pisses me off. You don't like to be. That's like indoor goalies are like that. Yeah, it really pisses me off to get scored on before games. So I just try not to. So, so you go, don't get in the net at all, or you? No, I mean I I do for like pre games, but like I'm saying when I'm getting my warm up, yeah. I know I'm, I'm I get so fired up when I get scored on. I'll I'll cuss. I'll get pissed. How about the way that you practice then? And and let's start with at team practices. I think being a practice goalie is completely different than a game goalie. Like in college, practice goalie for me, I think I was like the fourth string goalie. But when it came to game time, I'd flip that switch. Because I think it's very hard for a goalie to get kind of locked in because you're seeing so many shots during practice. 
and it's kind of like a twitchy so you're there for two seconds and you're but when you're in practice you're seeing so many shots yeah it's hard to just keep doing that so I'm, I'd say I'm like a, I'm like a game player. I'm a baller. That's what I call it. So do you like taking a lot of shots no, in practice? No, I'm not. No, I think uh, t- I think too much lacrosse for a goalie. Too many shots can create bad habits sometimes. But if you're a backup, say if you're a backup on the Redwoods, are you going to be? Some, I mean, someone's got to stand that because there's yeah. You know, that's the interesting thing, right? So empathizing for the goalies, but on the other side, same team are shooters who want to start getting a sense for mm-hmm. their pace, their accuracy, the climate in that market the night before. So they got to shoot on someone. I think there's t- certain drills you can go into and then certain ones you shouldn't. Like I like going in six on six. That's realistic. But like just consistent number situation, that's just that's not realistic. Sometimes it sucks. You maybe see one of that a game. You're not seeing 30 reps of that, which kind of you don't want to get hit. And that just sucks. So what at what point then of, you know, call it your your curve to success, did you start tapering back on shots in practice? I would say high school, yeah. We had five goals on varsity, so it was really wow. easy. So I wouldn't – I would just – do like I would be in for scout same with college when we would go to get to scout offense that would be it when you were when you were developing your skill as a goaltender were you taking a bunch of shots to get used to the position Um, and I'll equate it to you know an offensive player working on their stick or working on their shot I mean I, I took thousands and thousands of shots all the way through high school and then it became more about kind of the science of shooting in college and technique and fewer shots, but higher energy. And that's where I am now. But that, that early year of, of volume and repetition, I saw myself improve dramatically. Yeah, definitely. I think a big thing as a young goalie is getting the right form. And then once you get that, then you can go kind of a higher volume. But so like for me in college, I had a really bad stance and hand placement, and I had to rep that out to fix it because it's all muscle memory for that goalie stance. What was the hand placement? So I'd pin it against my hand like this, like pin it back and kind of built the ramp. So to make a save, you have to put it out and then across. So for everyone listening, what it looks like is, so he has the right hand placement, but the stick was almost like a recliner of a lounge chair. So he's leaning back toward his shoulder versus getting the head of the stick running perpendicular to the ground. Exactly. Why was that habit it was developed? Just, so it was I, just, for me, I assume it was just practicing like that, and it started to become a habit because muscle memory. Yeah. And it's no one ever told me. And then when I got to college, they're like, let's fix it. And I had to do a lot of reps to fix it, and then it became a muscle memory. And then I could work on something else because I knew I had that down. So you play goalie lefty. Are you a lefty naturally? So every two-handed sport, lefty, one-handed sport, righty. Got it. And so as a lefty, and I don't, I don't know, I just had that sense. And as a lefty goaltender, do you use your bottom hand, your strong right hand, more than you would say your top hand to guide your stick? So an example of that is like going left to over your top right shoulder. Do you punch more with your bottom hand or do you pull across the top with your top? I would say I punch with my left hand, but when I come offside hip, I really pull with my right arm. That's what gets there the fastest. And then that's how I throw. I pull down with my right hard. So so you, you... I want to come back. So you, you mentioned two goalies at training camp. Brett Queener was one, and then and then Scott Rogers was more of like, "Hey man, remember me? I sat in front of you at a WWE match. You probably don't, but here I am, bitch." Yeah, so look that, at me now. Yeah, <laughs> so that was Scott. Brett Queener, um, you did get out of the net a few times this year. Had an assist. Had an assist. First goalie to get an assist. So and that's like you know Nat Saint Laurent doesn't love that stuff. Yeah, he's a little questionable. He's always told me just to stay back there. But when you're in a game, you're just you're playing. You're not thinking like that. And you think you're going to get a goal this year? That's the goal, yeah. The goal is to score a goal. Yes. It's going to happen. Hopefully Have you run that Dallas. by Nat? Uh, no. 
Well, now that I know, I'm going to stay on the field in a clear. Hopefully not after one of my shots. <laughs> but So you're going to try to get a goal this year. Uh, it, it, in college at High Point, was, was getting out of the net part of your MO as well? Yeah, we are big. Um, I was a big seventh defender. I actually, my sophomore year, I led the team in ground balls and calls turnovers. Well, let's let's review the tape on these ground balls. You can, you can ask. Is it, did they give you a ground ball for a save at your feet and you scoop it up and get it out? No, it That's be, a ground ball in some books. It had to be outside the crease. Oh, wow. So I was very active in that aspect. And I knocked down a lot of passes, like just from feeds to the middle from X. Yeah. Um, but I had six shots in college, zero goals. I remember my first game, my sophomore year versus Georgetown, I shot the ball behind the back on an easy one-on-one, just to, just two, and I hit the goalie right in the chest when I could easily score it. But, you know, right. anytime you have a chance to do the goalie wrong, you do him wrong. And did you, really, no empathy for your nope, teammates nope, on the other don't side be, of the Don't ball. be afraid. Don't be afraid. And did you guys win that game? Oh, yeah, we won 9-3. 9-3, okay. So you could show off a little flair there. Definitely. Even though it came back to bite you. Yeah, it's all right, though. Did you score in high school? Yes. So you do have goals under your belt. So I this see. isn't yeah, no, a crazy yeah. thing to suggest that you no. have the ability to score at least. Yeah, it's the thing I need to work on is my shooting. It's shooting for a goalie. Every goalie claims they can shoot. The only thing the only goalie that can shoot is Blaze. Um, that's about it. But I would even say I've never seen a goalie in transition who scored. I've seen a lot of goalie goals. Brett Queener scored against us my uh, sophomore year in college. And um, I've never seen a goalie on a fast break pull up from 10 to 12. Even Blaze, when he scored famously against Cornell yeah. in that playoff game, he deked Busick, you know, swam move Siebold, came across. I guess it was a shot on the run, but it was inside 10. Yeah. So, I, I mean, are you talking about pulling up? Oh, I'll pull up, yeah. I'll, I mean, I think my range. You're exposed there, though. Just so you know, that's when you're most exposed to be hit, and we can't have you getting injured. If I'm on your team, I would say, like, dude, we can't have you pull up. I could take a hit, though. We just don't want you to. We're going to take a quick break in the action. It's been a lot of fast back and forth with Timmy, and it's going to get better. But in the interim, I want to tell you that this podcast is brought to you by our incredible friends at Ticketmaster. They're the official ticketing partner of the PLL. And if you're looking to attend a PLL game this summer, you can head to PLLtickets.com or open up your Ticketmaster app right now on your phone and get them today. In previous weeks, you've heard from one of our ticket sales members, in Brendan, and you've also heard from our VP of Ticket Sales in Nick. And this week, we're going to phone call my brother and co-founder, CEO of the PLL, Michael. Yep. Hey, man, you're uh, on Unbuckled Chinstrap. I just want to give you a chance to say hello to all the listeners and tell them to buy tickets on PLLTickets.com as well as through the Ticketmaster app. Oh, man, it's a... That's a lot for me to uh, say when I got a bunch of hiccup in my mouth right now, but it is dinner time. It is dinner time, um, and everyone should buy tickets and come to our games this this year. We're excited to see everyone there, and we're excited to see you because Mike will be at all the games, and uh, we love you, Mike. Who are we interviewing right now? By the way, we're interviewing Timmy Troutner. Hey, Timmy, what's up, man? I'm excited to uh, see you stop some balls this year. Let's go get them. I'm not as excited to see that, but I'm. That makes one of us, at least. One of the Rabel brothers is excited to see you stop balls this summer, Timmy. Thanks, Mike. <clears throat> so so you're, you're obviously a stat guy, at least a, a stat keeper of your own uh, goods. So when you think about the PLL, and we all experienced the new rules for the first time, were there any like outside 
kind of outside analysis that you were doing when you watch game tape or knowing that the two-point line was at 15, you've never taken shots from a two-pointer. There's like kind of elevated pressure because it's worth double. Um, how did you think about and analyze game flow with a shorter field, 15-yard arc, shot clock? Yeah, the shot clock was huge because I, I could tell when a guy was going to take a bad shot. And I thought that actually helped me play because the shot clock I thought was an awesome thing for a goalie because you'd see these guys take bad shots. And so you would you would keep an eye on the clock. Keep an eye on the clock because you know it's coming down to seven guys running alley. You know he's just going to shoot the ball even if he's covered because you know it's going to be a bad shot. And then for me, I would look for that into transition going the other way. I thought tempo was a big thing. I mean, some teams push transition crazy, and some you know they were just going to sell the ball. Yeah. So it was super easy to wait, and you're like, all right, they're only going to have 20 seconds to play. And that's when you have to kind of get dialed in and know what's going on. What it sounds like is you're at your best when you know a shot's coming. And I felt that way about a lot of goalies because you're able to lock in. It's difficult, more difficult to stop a ball off of a feed because you're, you know, have to turn and react. Yeah, you're not ready for it. You're, it's like pure reaction speed, and you think that's when sometimes you just all form goes out the window because you're not ready for it. Yeah, and, and so I, I promise, like doing this podcast isn't about creating a scout for you, um, but you know, just trying to understand goalies across the board because I, I think there are similarities. Look, there's only six of you that start in the league, and you're all the best in the world. Um, so it's no secret that when a goalie knows a shooter is shooting, that they're more likely to save. So you think about tempo of offense, you think about vantage point of shot clock and trying to understand when the shots are coming. Is there anything else that you track form? Is it easier to save an overhand side or an underhand shot where it doesn't matter, it's very dependent on the player? I watch a lot of film, so it's a little player tendency. So I know a lot of guys do the same thing. Yeah, Like Sergio Salcido, he only shoots high. I've saw it all practice, all throughout his career. I've never seen that guy score a local one in my life. Yeah. So that's just something that you know. And you know, on the run, lefty, for me, I like to put the ball low. Bingo. So I was told that. I was <laughs> but told, on occasion, I will shoot high. Yeah, but I, I was told that by my team. I mean, I saw yeah, that yeah. too. But I, I mean, I, look, that's been my scouting report since my freshman year in college. Yeah. So maybe you should switch it up. No, I mean, it just depends. On, like, do you know when I'm shooting? That's the thing. Like, I try not to wind up on the run. And that's my advantage. You, you did it. You saved a bunch of my shots on the run this year. But I, I genuinely think, going back to your other point, if you're a shooter, we get lost sometimes, and I may have been the perpetrator for a while of, of shooting the ball as fast as you can um, in shot speed, and then there's shot accuracy. And then the most important one, though, is when you're telling the goal you're about to shoot, it's a wind-up. Um, I try to eliminate those as much as possible. My time in room, I have a wind-up. But mm -hmm. on the run, I try to eliminate it so you're not you know, necessarily set. So who's got the most difficult shot to save in the league? In the league, I think Busick has the hardest shot to save. He really hides his stick well, and he can put it anywhere he wants. Yeah. And he switches his shot selection a lot. So that's the hardest thing to track, I would say. Second hardest shooter to save in the league. I think Manny, because he, he gets it out so quick, and it's always off a skip pass. Mm. So I'm getting there, and I'm not fully set, and it's just right there. So it's pure reaction. What about Holman? He scores a lot of goals. He does score a lot of goals. But, I, I mean, he scores a couple. I don't think he scored that many on me. So, so you got to beat on him. Yeah, I think, Isn't I think, that an interesting thing in, in our sport that you can have, you know, look, you can have one of the best goalies in the world or statistically the best that season, but it's all boils down to individual matchups. There are goalies who are world-class. Like, I'll, I'll, I can easily say this now because he doesn't play anymore and I played with him and against him, but we talked about Doc. Mm -hmm. I, I scored a lot of goals against Doc, and he's by far and away considered one of, if not the best goalies of all time. Uh, and I just had that individual matchup with him. And he saved a lot, but I, I, I scored more goals than I did on, on others. And I'll say a goalie that I've always struggled with, even going back to college, is Brett Queener. 
And I always tell people, Brett Queener is one of the best in the league, one of the best in the world. But that's just very, I think, bespoke to our relationship on field. He understands the shot. Jesse Schwartzman understood my shots better than most. I had a hard time scoring on him in the pro league when he was still playing. So what do you think about that? No, I agree. I think certain matchups are huge. Like, I think I struggle against big windups sometimes and compared to, like, quick shots. Sometimes it depends. It depends who the guy is. So there's certain guys you have their number, and some guys you don't. They're just like, I can't save this guy's shot. Who's guy? Who do you have numbers on? Whose shot do I save a lot last year? That's a hard one. I made a lot of saves, so it's tough. I don't know. You made a lot of saves. Come on, make some calls. Uh, I gotta think. You let's just, start. Let, let's let's start with the archers. Holman was one of them. Holman, yeah. I think their middies struggled a lot. I think their middies struggled to score a lot. Why? I just think they took bad shots. It was like low shots. angle or just. They would, they would show their stick too much. Do you think the angles are lower because the field is shorter, in particular the middle of the field? Or why why were just goalies making so many damn saves this year? I think I think a lot of guys have like an ego check. That's for me. That's why I thought it was an easy transition because guys were taking worse shots. Against you? No, I'm just saying in general. I thought That's an interesting theory, though, because you're a rookie. Do you think that was an advantage? Were you going into game one being like, these guys think because I'm a rookie they're going to score on me. Like, wait till I fucking show them. Because you guys beat us in Boston. Yeah, week one, yeah. We got a good look the second time, but let's... But yeah, maybe, yeah, I could definitely see that being a thing. They have no film on They've never played against me. They don't know my style. And Wait, You held us to what? Seven goals? Was it 9-7? No, it was 9-8. 11-9. 11-9. Still 11, single nine. digits. Yeah, and I yeah, had a big game that game. That was week one. It was crazy. I actually didn't even know I was starting. So yeah. I went in there. Coach Nat never told who, who was starting. So I, I get there, and he's like, right during warm-ups, he's like, yeah, you're, you're starting. So wow, like, during warm-ups. What were you thinking about all week? Uh, I knew I had a good training camp, so I kind of had it in the back of my head, but I really didn't know. I'm like, I've never really played pro lacrosse. Maybe Gunner gets a chance because he, he's done it before. He's been there before, mm-hmm. and I've never done it. So Coach Nat took a risk, and it was, it was a reward. So, Did you talk to him at all during the week? Did you talk to Harrison? Did you talk to Walters? Were you, or did you resist the compulsion to say, hey, guys, can someone just fucking tell me if I'm playing or not because I have a lot of anxiety about it? No, I mean, it was cool as a cucumber. Just let it, let it happen. Yeah, so, nothing phases you, huh? I mean, it does. No, I could be rattled. Don't, don't be afraid of that. But, uh, I mean, a big thing was before even training camp, um, Harry only living 18, 15 minutes away from me, him and Landis were shooting on me. And that was a big confidence booster. And he was like, I think you could really get this job. Landis shooting on you was a confidence builder. Matt Landis has one of the worst shots I've ever seen. Exactly. A confidence booster. <laughs> and, then, and then, I mean, they're shooting from 15. So I've I mean, got to work some players tours with Landis, obviously one of the best defenders, but not actually you know what how do you feel about people who shoot because he can shoot the ball hard like most long poles take Callum Robinson he throws a meatball like a heavy ball I think some people call meatballs slow balls yeah Uh, so wrong wrong usage there is a cannonball also considered slow uh I think he I think he can shoot the ball and there's like Jared Newman he can bomb it like Jared Newman can bomb the ball so so Jared's actually quite accurate I think he is very accurate yeah he scored his two-pointer on me and he put it offside low break perfect in yeah, the corner that's great another time he shot the ball if you watch the clip I literally went palms up like why'd you even shoot that it was an easy save which is I thought was pretty funny people who shoot the ball hard but don't know where it's going does that freak you out um yeah definitely I mean I remember a clip um against Ratley I left stepped in from 17 yards and he just ripped it and he had no idea I stepped the wrong way and it was just not even close to the goal yeah because I thought it was going there and it just wasn't even close so it definitely can I mean if they don't know where it's going how am I supposed to know where it's going sometimes so yeah what about uh, a foot save goalies don't get the credit 
for foot saves. Yeah, foot saves. I mean, sometimes you just can't get down there, and you got to kick your foot, and that coordination is definitely tough. And I've had a couple, and there's some guys that are really good at it. John Galloway. John Galloway. I yeah, think the best in the business. Yeah, I mean, he, if you ever see him do a warm up, he uses it as a drill. I've never seen that done. Mm -hmm. I don't know how it correlates, but I mean, maybe it does. Yeah. And he's making those foot saves. There is this notion that because goalies have this wider net of a stick that they're supposed to make every save with the head of their stick. And I've been on so many sidelines my whole career where if a goalie makes a save with his foot, you go, gosh, he was lucky. And in reality, um, you know, that's just as much a part of a save as, as your stick. As long as you make the save, you're a good goalie. I don't know. Like, I think the goalie position is not figured out yet. There's no right way and wrong way to do it. I mean, mm -hmm. every goalie is different, I think, in that aspect. And as long as you're making the save, you're doing good. But there's obvious things you can fix. But if you're making the save, hey, don't change it. So my, uh, my chief of staff, Andrew Manning, is a huge NHL uh, fan. And uh, he'll probably correct me at some point because I'm, I'm certain this, this isn't right. But Patrick Waugh was the first to make the butterfly save goaltending mm -hmm. in, in, in hockey. And that used to not exist. Goalies used to just stay on their, on their skates. And then they started going down and kicking their legs out to protect the whole you know, foundation of the net. Do you think there is something like that in lacrosse that hasn't been innovated on or created yet? Or is there, is there any ingenuity in your position that's forthcoming? If you ever watched Jack Kelly play, I think when he he would just fall down on shots, the low shots, he wouldn't even get a stick on it sometimes. He just falls down. He would just fall down on it. And I've never seen that before. And, mm. then, that, and then he was on Team USA, starting yeah. goalie. So that for me, that was something So different. he keeps his stick high and, and sometimes, drops yeah, down sometimes into a split. Sometimes he'll just drop down and hit him in the leg. And yeah. that's a save. And that's all you need to do as long as you save the ball. I don't know how you would practice that, but I think that could be a new thing. It's going to hurt. And, and so that's the other thing. So with the acknowledgement of goalies making saves with their feet – and in the end, like your job is to keep my shots out of the net. I've also developed a counter perspective that's different than when I was in college where I used to hit our goalie in practice and I would feel bad for Jesse and he would get mad at me because it would hurt. And I'd be like, man, I'm really sorry. I wasn't aiming at your shoulder. Um, but now, given the perspective that you have and other goalies, a save's a save. If you're going to save it off your arm and it's going to develop a welt, hey, man, that's a save on my shot. You signed up for the position. I don't feel as bad for you anymore. Do you think you should get sympathy as well as the credit of the save, or how do you deal with that? I really don't care for sympathy that much. I think a save is a save. So, uh, do you ever complain when you get hit in the arm? I think it just. I mean, in a do you game, get pissed off at the at the offensive shooter? No, not really. It's just. That's I mean, good. it's my job. Yeah, because I, mean, I would be like, like man, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Like, would you would you bitch at a slap check? Like that's your, that's your job. You signed up to get slashed. Yeah. So I mean. But I yes think no. I mean, I don't think it's apples to apples Definitely because not. yeah, it's. I mean, you're right. I signed up for you know this position that is full contact, but a lot of slashes can be egregious and um, you know be in an uneventful uh, manner where you know a shot is binary. It's either going in or it's not, and if it hits you or you stand in the way of it, get hit on the inside of your leg. And you get this big welt, and I, you know I'm just gonna feel less sympathy toward you than I did previously, knowing that, you know, you've got folks like yourself and Jack Kelly that are winning games, winning accolades, uh, saving the ball. However, um, and uh, and so yeah, you know, I don't, I don't want to sound you know like an asshole, but you know, it's 
what what you're doing. You're saving the ball and you're getting yeah. hurt now. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's always funny. Like when I ever come out of the goal and I get checked in the elbows, I bitch so hard to the refs. Yeah, so I'm, not, I'm just not used to it. Some of that is egregious, though. I see attackmen just taking a whale because you're not wearing elbow pads. That's actually what Ben Rebeer told our attackmen to do in high school. Yeah, and Ben would do it. And he said, and expect the Atlas to do it now this year. But for me, and then you're at a terrible position. I just run right by you. Right. I should be able to eat that check. But it sucks because then your arm's throbbing throughout the game. And you're like thinking about that instead of saving the ball, which might work. But Yeah. So you might want to question coming out of the crease. I'll still come out and score. Well, you haven't scored in, what, seven years, eight years? It's, it's, it's due to come. It's going to come. That's not how odds work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm due for one. What, so what about, uh, what about nerves? Do you get nervous? Yeah, I definitely get nervous, but um, I like to just calm my nerves and not think about it. I usually don't get nervous until like the, the whistle. So before games, I'm usually laughing and having a good time, joking around. And then kind of that last like, two minutes, I'm like, holy cow, this is real. I get butterflies. Yeah. And then it's over right when that first shot comes. First shot. And if, if you make a save, you're, you're going to be all in one. Yeah. If you let the first two in, it's going to be difficult to rebound. Definitely, yeah. Do you believe in getting pulled for a quick break to go back in? I think that helps goalies a lot, and it just kind of humbles you, and it gives you that. And I think it's awesome to see. Like sometimes if you see a goalie bitch and complain for him not being in there, that guy shouldn't be in there. He's not a good teammate. Yeah. One. And then he, how is, he's not st- stable mentally to go back in there either. Who was the best teammate you've ever had? Best teammate ever had? That's a tough question. I would say the guys that are the most selfless, like the guys that don't care, like the scout team guys that don't even care that they're playing and they're just working their they're working their tails off every day and they know they're not getting any accolades at all and they don't, they don't care. Yeah. Any um, names? Can you share any, any names? Any names. I'll give a shout-out to a guy at High Point, Isaac Newland, his scout team hero. He'll talk the most smack, let us know when we suck, and he just gives 100% hmm. the whole time and just he doesn't care. What about on the woods? On the woods. Who are who are some of you we have to call it your favorite, but who are some great teammates? Um, and then we'll also make the assumption that the guys that you don't name are bad teammates. No, I'll definitely go with the two leaders, Joe and Kyle. I mean, those guys are just those guys are legends in the sport and yeah. those guys are just they know so much and they're such good locker room guys and they're so supportive in anything we do. And they don't care if it's good or bad play, they're always just like get the next one or good job, keep it up. What do you think about uh, how the expansion draft went? Yeah, so I thought some of the picks were surprising. I thought some of them were some really good picks. I mean, I'm excited to play against them. I think there's still so many good players that didn't get picked up, and I might not play. There's just so many good players in the league. Yeah, you guys, I think, took the least amount of damage. Yeah, we only had two, which is good. And was there any internal dialogue around that? Disrespect? Um, What's going on there? How come the Redwoods only had two players? It's almost like there's a, there's a Redwood hate on the operational side of the business, like Kyle Harrison. It's Yeah. Hmm. Um, I thought it was good. I think those guys are excited to come back. I mean, it's just, I mean, it sucks that we had to do it, but it's, it's part of the, the league. So and it, I know Coach Nats talked to me on the phone about it. He's like, it sucks. I have to tell these guys they're not being protected. Like, they can hate me, but I have to do it. Yeah. It's not like he wanted to do it. He's like, I wish I could take everyone back, but it's just not possible. You just have to make hard decisions. What about the college players? Do you have any thoughts on the college draft? Who are the best goalies in college right now? That stuff. I think uh, Phil Goss is really good oh, at Brown. Yeah. I watched him play. Phil's a Project Nine guy. Really? Yeah. I think he's really good. Scott Drake. Rogers coached him. By really? The way. So, and I think they had a good relationship. I'm like, yeah. I think Drake Porter's Scott. good too at Syracuse. He's a really good, solid goalie. Um, do any of them have league potential? I think they all do. Yeah. I think I think playing goalie in faceoff is so tough to break the roster. Yeah. Just because it's hard. There's one of you that's gonna yeah. break. That's gonna play. Yeah. And then those guys that played last year that have the experience. And I think I look at a guy like Jake Stover. I think he's a very good goalie, and it, he tries to do whatever he can to break the roster. Mm-hmm. And I think he deserves it, but he doesn't get the credit. 
Yeah. Because he doesn't have, he never got a chance yet. So I watched him at first the chaos. He went through three teams. Yep. And he worked his he worked his dick off every time and just wanted to work hard and make a spot, which I think he's it's gonna happen. Yep. And is it does it come down then to when you do have that opportunity, you have to play at a world class level? I find out I start, I'm like, all right, how do I keep being a starter every week? It's like if I have one bad game, do I continue to being a starter? So that pressure kind of built up, but then I kind of built that safety net because I had a good first four games. So I kind of had that safety net and like I could be comfortable with doing whatever. Yeah. Even in college, I didn't start. I said, as a freshman, I was supposed to redshirt, didn't start the first two games. I get a start against Maryland first game as a freshman at Maryland. End up losing by one with 19 saves. Ugh. Next game, beat UVA. So that was like... 19 saves is a ton so, at any level. So yeah, it was a good feeling to have as a freshman going against... You're playing against Rambo. Like You're like, holy cow, I finally get to play against this guy. I looked up to this guy last year in high school. And then ironically played against him again. Yeah. The championship game. Yeah, so it's uh, competed against him for a while, but then... You beat UVA, and you kind of get that confidence, which I think is a huge position for a goalie to have that confidence. Do you have a read on Rambo shot? Uh, no. I mean, he scored the game winner on me. and I just... Yeah, but scores the game winner, it doesn't mean you don't have a read. I mean, he was inside of seven, top side, all yeah. stick. Yeah. Do you blame yourself for that? Uh, I mean, it was just such a, it was such a good play by him. Right. And just pushing it when no one expected to. It kind of caught it, a lot of people off guard. And I kind of I still, th I still think about it all the time. It's just like, ugh, like – I should have just committed to it because I saw it come in there and I was just kind of patient instead of just committing to it. So it sucks. Instead of instead of committing to your intuition, which was going to be all stick. Gut, yeah, just I just kind of wanted to step there, but then early in the game he shot the ball sticks out high and I moved to the offside. Yeah, and he put it there. So I was kind of patient. So that was sitting in my head, going through that shot motion in my yep. head, and that killed me. So of those decisions that you make on the fly. How often would you say you go with your gut on assumption of where the shot's going to go versus sit back and be patient? I would say about 90%. So, like for me, 90% gut? Yeah, gut. Yeah. Wow. So, I think anything outside 14, 13 yards, I could be patient on. Anything inside, shooters are just so good nowadays. You kind of you know where they're going to go, anyways. You just commit. Isn't that fascinating, though, that the storyline started in the first quarter with Rambo shooting stick side high? And then it threads its way all the way to overtime, because nine, if had he had not scored that goal in the first quarter, if you look at a ninety to ten percent likelihood yeah. of you trusting your gut and going off stick, you would have you would have been there and made that save. Yeah, you can see it. I kind of paused a little bit because I was like questioning it in my head. I was like putting the calculations through my mind, and I was just like, wait, yeah, and it didn't go, and it's just a little fraction of time killed me. What about the uh, fourth quarter goal with you know however many you know, dozen seconds left? Um, what were you guys planning for in the timeout? Yeah, so it was actually funny. I actually heard this um, a couple months ago. Their plan was we called it out. We're like they're going to skip the ball, the chain and chuck for a step down seal. And they're going to that's what the play was. Yeah. Rambo walked away out of the huddle apparently mid mid play, and he said, "I don't care. I'm taking the ball and scoring." So we thought that that was the play. And Who that, told you that was the play? Um, I think it was their assistant coach. Oh, they were going to skip it to Channy. So that was their play. And if you watch it, that's what they did. Yep. And so we knew that. So we were all focused over there because we knew the play, basically, because we were just out thinking them. And then Rambo, just being himself, just takes it to the rack and scores it. Yep. Did you know that they were going to do this flip, or do you think that was or was that part of the play? I, I, we saw the whole backside seal happening. Oh, we saw we knew so it was the play. Seal. And that, what that did is distracted the slide. Yeah. So no which one. Which would have been Apple. Yeah, so I think I think we were just like, yeah, we're, we don't need to slide. We should, like, we were everyone was so focused on the backside. Yeah, I think that's what makes lacrosse so fascinating is that 
some of the best plays are just simple structured mumbos and the optionality that comes from it based off of the commitment of the off ball defense is what creates the opportunity you know and and like over complicating plays sometimes puts you down a narrow funnel of having to run that play exactly the way it was drawn up otherwise you probably turn the ball over and end up empty-handed yeah there's a lot of players that you see in college are really ro robotic because their offense quarter makes them do the certain way i think the best offenses are the ones that are creative and you can have certain things you can do and just play lacrosse which is like awesome to watch yeah we can have a little personality to it so you think the the draw position is just as important with the rules that we have? I don't know, because we played the Archers and we I'm just gonna keep picking up picking yeah. apart your logic here. Yeah, so I mean we played the Archers and we won eight percent of faceoffs and we still beat them. Yeah. They went ninety five percent or something crazy. Yeah. And it didn't matter because our defense and offense played really well. But I think it does help when you have those extra possessions and I think you wouldn't want to play against that guy when he dominates you. So what do you guys need? What what are you gonna take? I think we definitely need a face off guy, so maybe we trade up there or something. I'm not really sure with Coach Nat's plan, but we thinking about T D though. Yeah, I think he's the best, yeah, yeah, hands down. So maybe what we'll do if he drops a three is, is we'll draft TD and then leverage him against the Woods and trade for you. Oh, you're going to do Kincaid and Dirty like that? No, no, I just – no, well, we were, you're, you're actually great when you're a backup, as you had said. Yeah. So then <laughs> we'll get you back to those those backup days. Yeah, I think – And we'll, we'll carry three goalies on our roster because I really want you and Scott to go to a WWE match together, but I want you to sit in front of Scott again. I will. So I'll be responsible. I'll purchase the tickets. I'll make sure that the rows are, are down the floor level and that you're sitting in front of Scott. So, yeah, he can stay at the back of my head. All right, I like it. Yeah, and he'll get pissed. That's okay. Maybe we need to get on the ring. Let's see what happens. You and Scott in the ring. Yeah, I used to wrestle in high school. You never know. Oh, my gosh. That actually could be the deal at training camp. Why don't we do that? We'll, we'll get a wrestling ring <laughs> down at IMG. And so you wrestled in high school? Yeah. For what weight? Two years. Oh, uh, 134 maybe. I was what do you like, weigh now? 195. 170? Damn it. 170? What do you mean? I don't know. That's a big delta, man. 60 pounds from high school to now? Yeah, I grew. I was. Wow. I, I grew a lot in high school. So You were shorter? I was really short, yeah. How short were you? Uh, short. I don't know. It was pretty small. I don't know. I couldn't tell I you. I don't exactly. know. Like, what? 5'5", five, 5'6"? Five, five, oh, yeah. Maybe 5'4", five, 5'5", five, five, okay. freshman year, right. sophomore year. Then I grew then a lot. Then 135. And then yeah. well, how tall are you now? 6'2"? 6'1"? 6'1". 195? Yeah. Uh, were you wrestling at 5'10 to 6'1 at all? I quit uh, midway through my junior year. It's, a, light, it's a lightweight game, isn't it? Yeah. you got. I never cut weight. I tried not to just because I was just always could just never really. I had such a fast metabolism. I could eat whatever and it just never happened. What other sports did you play? I played football, basketball. What position in football? Free safety. Look at you. I was ball hawk, led the state in interceptions. No wonder year. you said you can take a hit. You yeah. can also deliver one, apparently. Yeah, I was a big hitter. Yeah, led the state in interceptions in Maryland well, my junior year. That's because you're a goalie. Yeah, I thought, always, coordination. I thought I was a really good ball hawk. I have really good like anticipation for the ball. I think that correlated to football, lacrosse, and just other sports. Wow. And, and what about off the athletic field? What do you like to do? Uh, big video gamer. I like to play Fortnite a lot. Really? Big Fortnite guy. How many uh, kills? No, it's not kills. How many first places? Wins? I'm, wins? Over, I'm over 1,000. Yeah, I have a lot. Over 1,000 I went, I went, wins. I went, so a win is like you, you beat the whole... I went two for two here. First day here. Well, you're playing against RJ. No, against the whole community. First two, yeah, two wins, two games. Two wins under the PLL account? Yeah, you can check it out. There we go. So Premier Lacrosse on, on Xbox? Yeah. Twitch. On Twitch, at yeah. Premier Lacrosse. Why weren't we able to get at PLL? Someone else have it? Yeah. God damn it. Hmm. 
so yeah, I like doing that. And then a big thing I do is I like to do a lot of hand-eye drills. Like I love playing racquetball, pickleball, and tennis. Off the athletic fields. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's considered so, athletic. So just games? So just games, Video yeah. Video games? You cook? No, I cannot cook. No way. What's your, uh, what's your nutrition like? Terrible. I eat whatever I want. Yeah. Fast food. I, I like used it. to be like that. It's not going to last, brother. I'm done. for you. It's going to last. No, I don't think so. What's your favorite food? Peanut butter and jelly, so Pop Tarts is probably my two favorite. Uh, yeah, I used to eat Pop Tart a day in high school. What? Of all of the beautiful and tasty entrees that are available, Pop Tart a day would keep Pop the doctor Tarts, away. Not a steak, not a lasagna. I mean, I, mean, I do love that, but not I'm not a saying, mac and cheese. No mac and cheese. I mean, steak is obviously stromboli. good. Stromboli. But I love Pop Tarts. We got to have you over to the Rabel House for my mom's Stromboli. All right. Well, I enjoyed having you on, man. No, it was a blast. It gets to know you a little better. So my big thing is, yeah, yeah, go ahead. so are we friends now? When were we not? Well, you don't follow me on Instagram, and I, okay. I, I've, I've been thinking all about right. it. Hold on a second. So I've been following you since high school. Wait, what? I'm so sorry. No, I don't no, I follow get... you. Maybe it was because you went to that fucking MLL draft. No, I mean, it's just kind of disrespectful, <laughs> wouldn't you say? Like, we're on the all same right. all-star team. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, we're here you. together Hold now, on. and you still yeah. don't follow me. Gosh, dude, I'm sorry. And you're not verified on Instagram. Let's what make is, that happen? How do you do that? Well, we know some people. Let's do it. Thanks for listening to another episode of Unbuckled Chinstrap. We are churning through these, and the season is very close. You can follow Tim as you have for all of our guests on Instagram. His handle is at Timothy Troutner. And for the record, I also follow Tim now, too. So that makes two of us. We're going to continue to bring you new episodes every week. But as we said last week, make sure you stay safe and healthy out there. This coronavirus is very serious, but the more serious we are in containing it, the faster we will get back to normalcy and the faster we will get back to season two of the PLL. So in the interim, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Give us a five-star rating and leave a review with a question if you have one for an upcoming guest. Talk to you all soon.